Welcome back to Zazen and the Schmetterling. I'm Aaron and this is episode number three. Today we're going to be continuing our conversation that we started with Ryan about Hindu mythology. Uh, last episode we talked with him about the Godhead, about the trinity of Brahma, Vishnu and Shiva, which represents creation, maintenance and destruction, and how we can understand those three concepts on a micro and macro level in our lives when we're dealing with different issues we might be encountering. Uh, but today we're going to dive deeper into a specific story, into the Hanuman story. And Hanuman is the monkey god. And this story, we can really learn a lot about two powerful forces within us that are talked about quite often, and that is the mind and the heart. And in this story, Hinduism offers us a potential way to imagine how these forces relate to each other and how we might achieve balance with them. We were having this conversation sitting on the front doorstep of a tiny little house we were renting in this beautiful little village in the hills of southern India. And there was a festival going on that night, so you'll hear the music of the locals in the background celebrating this festival. So let's dive in and see what Hinduism might offer us in terms of balancing our intellect with our intuition. You know, we talked about um, the homie Hanuman mm. before, but it, it's worthy of noting here in this conversation as well is that Hanuman is is the very like embodiment of of when one doesn't reject our perhaps animalistic nature or the mind itself um some of these more basic principles of our of our of our humanity so we're dive, dive into the hanuman story Let's yeah yeah so like the the you know we we seek to like we're basically saying you know like like we're incomplete we're where like there's aspects of our nature that are that that need to go we need to cut those out but in fact like the way i take hanuman is that he's in fact a refutation of that uh, of that premise that he is he is the he's the monkey he's the monkey mind he is the 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 animal within us all He's literally represented as a monkey. Yes, literally re represented as a monkey. And where does he where does he come where does he come from in the lineage? Well, he's like he's, backing up to the beginning. So he is the um, the primary disciple and ally of Rama in the Ramayana, um, and there's some there's been some like I said before when we were talking about avatars, is there avatars of other deities other than Vishnu? And I said some of that came later. There has been some writings regarding that that uh hanuman is actually, hanuman is actually an avatar of shiva right so you, have so you, an, you have an avatar of the destroyer the, the like the, the the destroyer basically worshiping the avatar of the maintainer yes so you have the understanding that yeah have the understanding that the destructive elements like aren't trying to destroy the world they respect the world totally. we, we respect the world because the because everyone has their part and the destruction is for creation and it's part of the cycle that that we they're not antagonistic towards each other no brahma is not always trying to create and create and create and because shiva is destroying it's they come hand in hand and they and they they basically worship each other and it's very very interesting that we actually have the destruction element worshiping the maintenance element which is a which is um which is very life-affirming in many ways completely completely and it's 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 also interesting to note um, within this, just to like give 
those who may not be familiar with the Ramayana, the like the the basic context is like we have this figure that the antagonist of that story is this being named Robin, Ravana, and um, he is what's called an asura. He's a he's a demon, but in fact asura is actually a a, a much older name for for a god. So Ravan is in previous lives a great sage, a great rishi, an incredible, you know, an incredible saint. Mm. But he has this one last, this one last karma, the karmic um, binding to get rid of before his before his total um, enlightenment. Mm. And I think I, I don't know. I can't remember if it's uh, explicitly stated, but I take that implicitly that that this karmic binding is actually pride. Mm. Um, and so he's born into this, into this Asura family, this demonic family, and he's incredible. He's this incredible warrior. He's an incredible poet. His, the, his iconography has these 10 heads and it's to, to represent his complete understanding of the Vedas and the various other scriptures of Hinduism. He's this, um, he's the patron god of the Veena, another, stringed instrument of india and he's he's so he's this this maestro you know of, of, of the patron deity of like the, the of of the vena of music and and um he's a warrior and he's a scholar and and most importantly it's very interesting here is that he's a the highest disciple in the world of shiva mm. so and he's also a just ruler that's a, that's another thing to throw in there he was a very just righteous ruler mm. of uh, the kingdom of Lanka, which of course has been identified with Sri Lanka. Um, so he has, he has, he's, he's perfect besides the fact that he has pride. Yes. So his, his skills and his, his uh, relationships to the world are perfect, but he leverages that to feed ego. Exactly. Basically. So he, he, he might be doing beautiful actions in the world, but he understands that the intention is incorrect and that can pervert the action as well. And in, in fact, so like, so the kind of, um, so what happens is uh, he, he does a, there's, there's two, there's two stories here and I'm, I'm feel free guys to, to, to throw in here because I'm, I'm a little, there's two things that happen with Robin that are, are, are key components to, to his story and then like kind of our understanding of, of Hanuman and, and how he might, like, this is a very interesting relationship that Hanuman is an uh, avatar of Shiva is that Robin does puja, uh, ritual, um, prayers, and all this kind of thing. He does it to Shiva. And um, he's trying to get Shiva's attention. And Shiva's just like up on Mount Kailash, like... <laughs> chilling. Chilling. Zen out. Like yeah. he's not hearing shit. Full Buddha state. Full Buddha state. <laughs> and uh, so, so Robin... Um, he he tries to pick the mountain. Well, actually, he he's this being who's capable of picking this mountain up. So he starts picking the mountain up, and Shiva basically takes his like his little toe or something like this, like his his pinky toe, and just like, <laughs> like yeah. he's like he's like leave me alone, man. Like squishes him, squishes him like underneath because he lifts up the mountain, and then like Shiva goes like pushes the mountain back down. And like is crushing Robin underneath, and, and in this agony, um, Robin like spontaneously composes—I uh, can't remember the name of it—but there are these incredible prayers to Shiva. 
he spontaneously um, evokes his devotion to Shiva, and Shiva's like touched by this beauty, and basically says like, "What, what can I give you?" <laughs> Was it that Mahamritinjay mantra? Huh? Mahamritinjay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Mahamritinjay. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. What are the prayers about? What are what are? Do you know what he says in the prayers? It's uh, it's like sending the. Um, uh, what I was told by a friend is it's sending if you want to send somebody good wishes or good health or something good, yeah. you, you just keep going for it. Like do, you just keep repeating it. Do you know what they say? What the what the words mean? That's not prayer? exactly. Yeah. I can't remember right now. Yeah, even, yeah. even the mantra, but I I, I I used to hear it a lot. So. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember the exact words right now. Though. Awesome. So basically, Shiva asks him, so like, what can I like? I like I'm I'm touched by your devotion, even after I've like squished you. Like, what can, I, what can I do for you? And Robin says, well, what I would like is um, to never be killed. And Shiva goes, well, I don't know about that. That's, that's a pretty big thing. All things must die. I'm the destroyer, actually. All things must come to an end. So it's, I don't, it's interesting because one floor is ego. And the, the one thing the ego wants to do is to live forever. Right. And, and it's really a very powerful idea there. So Shiva goes, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not going to let that happen because I am, I am the destroyer. I am the one that brings things to their natural end. So you can't do that. Say something else. <laughs> and so Robin goes, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to get around this. Uh, I don't want to be killed by gods, demons, or animals. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And he leaves out human beings. And this is where the pride thing is because... Robin assumes that he's already just naturally so powerful. He doesn't have to worry about humans. Doesn't have to worry about them. He's, they're like his food. He's going to fucking just like eat them up, you know? If and they, he's a leader. He's like a powerful yeah, leader. Yeah. But he sees himself as above, he's as much more strong and above the people he's leading. He exactly. Doesn't, he doesn't see himself as one of, the, one of his flock who's, who's there to, to help the flock along. It's just part of it. He sees himself as above the flock. And the flock, him leading it, gives him a special position, right. and and therefore he's he should outlive them. He should have more than that than they do. He should right. have eternal life. Right. So he says, I don't want to be killed by gods, demons, or animals, and leaves out humans. And Shiva goes, okay. So Shiva grants this wish, wish, because of the devotion and everything that Robin displayed. But he knows that this is actually going to wreak havoc on the world um in what way robin is basically already so powerful yeah that this this added boon will make him invincible within mm -hmm. the world mm -hmm. um and because of even though he has this devotional nature this knowledge he has that pride and that mm -hmm. pride is, is is what's keeping him from realization and that pride will will basically cause him to seek to completely subjugate the world of gods, men, and, and demons. He will completely rule the world. So somewhere in there, there must be some sort of powwow with Vishnu and Shiva, mm. something like this. Because the way that they get around this is Vishnu incarnates as Ram. So yeah. he's human, but he's God in human form. Yeah. And then Shiva incarnates as Hanuman. Mm. So he's the one that granted the wish in the first place, but yeah. he knows that he also 
because he kind of, you know, gave that wish, he also has to be the one to take responsibility, take for, responsibility it. for it. Not let it destroy the world. Right. Exactly. Even though he's the destroyer. Even though he's the destroyer. Exactly, which is why in this case, he's worshipping the preserver. Because he, he did something, and he's like, he goes to the preserver, he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I messed up. Like, I, I put a lot of power into the world. Let's work together to somehow like balance this out again. Right. And it's also like you can also see it as Shiva also understands that Robin, while he's this great devotee and he has this issue of pride, he's also this is like his last karmic binding. Mm. So Shiva also is in this sense, he is the destroyer as well, because he knows that through this battle, yeah. it's going to end in Robin's liberation, okay. which is what Shiva's all about. Yeah. She was all about the the destruction of of the of the, the obscuration from truth, mm -hmm. and uh, so that's kind of the the background of of you have Robin and Hanuman and 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 uh, Robin as like these principal characters, and um, and then you have a, a a deal with basically the uh, the sister of Robin goes to Ram and his brother and they're hanging out in the forest and they're hanging out in the forest and so the daughter, the sister of Robin, Ravana, goes to them and is like, I want to marry you. Yeah. And Ram is like, no, I'm like happily married to Sita. I'm not going to marry you. And then she goes to Ram's brother and and then she goes to Laksman and says, "I want to marry you." And Laksman's like, "Nah, like I don't, I don't want to marry you." And so she she goes and she like basically she's cursing, she's cursing Sita, um, and she's saying all these horrible things. And Laksman, the brother of Rama, actually cuts off her nose because she's she's saying these these bad things, these horrible horrible things. You know, she's like basically cursing them. Mm. Um, so he cuts off her nose, and so she runs back to Robin, her her brother, um, and goes, basically kind of changes his story a little bit and, and says, look at them, they've disfigured me. How, what are you going to do? Like, at first Robin's like, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, I don't know about I, if I want to get involved with that, because he's still a wise dude. Even, even, that, even as he's prideful, he's still wise. I don't know about that. And she goes, no, 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 I'm your sister. Like, and this dude disfigured me, and if you don't do this, you're like the worst, the worst possible thing. Mm. And so Robin, again, his pride rises, and he can't, he can't deal with the idea that he would be, that his sister would, would view him as um, contemptible or whatever, and that he, he's not playing the role of the, of the good brother. Um, and so he, this is when he basically marshals his armies, and he kidnaps Sita, the wife of Ram. Okay. And Ram is representative of the idealized human, and mm -hmm. Ram is the avatar of Vishnu in this story. And what are his like? What are his um, what are his you know, um, capabilities, or so what is he kind of representative of in in this story? He's the, he's the greatest man. Does he represent like the mind, or what is he? What is um, he I would say that he actually. Um, he represents, well, first of all, he's the archer. I like to make a little subtle connection with the idea of eros in the Greek, 
um, and, and Cupid, like the idea of the archer who, who shoots your heart. He's like, um, yeah, so Ram to me in this story is, is the ideal human, the just ruler, the good husband. And he's also representative, I think, psychologically of, of our true nature. Mm. Like, psychologically, he's representative of the harmonized human being. Someone who exists within the world, fulfilling his duties as, as ruler, husband, warrior, all these things. And at the same time, that is not in conflict with his inner state of divinity. Mm. So that's what, like, Ram represents. The balance, the divine that is completely integrated within himself right. as a human form. So he's, yeah. he's, he's basically the... We don't look up to a god to say this is who we should be. We look up to a man who can really um, emanate or can embody yeah. embody godliness within him. Hey, so... We're a podcast here, dude. <laughs> so Sita um, gets kidnapped by Robin, and this is what basically causes the entire story. It's like the the quest to rescue rescue Sita from the clutches of Ravana. Mm. Uh, and this is where um, Rama meets Hanuman. So yeah, so Ra- Ram- Rama is without any, any allies other than his brother, so some uh, great saint, we're not remembering the name right now, some great saint recommends him to go to uh, the monkey god Sugriva, uh, and Sugriva recommends him to Hanuman. And Hanuman, of course, we've already touched on, is the an avatar of Shiva. Shiva's taken this form because he knows that he was the one that granted this wish. So he's kind of working, in this sense, with Ram, with Vishnu, with the preservation. So the destroyer is is worshiping Ram, worshiping the preservation of life in the world and order, and at the same time achieving his ultimate goal of of destroying the ego of Robin. So what does Hanuman represent? Hanuman represents the mind. Hanuman is the, like, like, like we touched on earlier, he is that embodiment of, of our base nature. He's a, literally a monkey. And he, he, so he's the, the instinctual side of us. He is the mind, the chattering mind, the mind that's always running after something new, always toying with something new. Playing with things, and not necessarily for purpose. He just plays with them, and he right. can create destruction or creation. Right, or exactly. So, like in the early, like we touched on this in the earlier conversation, that um, in Hanuman's early life, he he thought that the sun was a, a great red fruit, and so he plucks it out of the sky, and then this causes darkness in, within the world. And he basically he kind of gets a big slap on the wrist, um, which is it, it, there's a lot of implications there. But I, we're gonna I think just move forward with the continuity of this particular line of thought um so yeah th- that that is evidence of like when the mind is running rampant and doesn't have purpose it can cause a lot of destruction in the world you know literally plucking the sun out of the sky in this case yeah. um but through hanuman's devotion to ram to rama he transcend he he doesn't actually transcend in a sense he integrates fully so Hanuman to me is like the embodiment of when the mind and the heart are in sync so before he met Ram he was just the mind running rampant all over the place causing you know problems wherever he went 
playing with things and never really having any direction. And then he meets Rom, the, uh, that embodiment of, of integrated human experience and divinity. And this is what changes Hanuman. And Hanuman is kind of like, he's like the big hero of the story. Like he does, he basically is the one that defeats Robin's army. And what this I think is really representative of is like, because the reason why we got onto this conversation, touching back really quick, is we were talking about that the mind and a lot of these flaws and uh, like things that we view as obscurations are not something to get rid of. There's something that we need to integrate in a way that is harmonious. Mm. And so that's what Hanuman represents, is through his devotion to Ram, through, his, through the mind's devotion to the heart, the mind no longer becomes an obscuration. And through that, it can defeat the ego. It, defe- right? it defeats so it pride. In pride. This, it, defe- it defeats pride. Um, it defeats the... Because Hanuman is like the representative of, of the ego in some ways. But the ego, when it has made itself um, in service to the heart, in service to the divine nature. So the mind it is de- the... It can defeat pride. It can defeat... So the idea is that the, isn't that you don't... De- Pride isn't ego. We don't we don't we don't link those two. We don't say in order to destroy pride, we destroy the ego. What we do is we integrate the ego in a way that it doesn't have the pride anymore. Right. We're, we're doing we're integrating we're um, directing the ego towards a greater purpose. To, exactly. Uh, to the correct. We're aligning it in the right way, and therefore the negative, um, like the so-called negative um, aspects of that ego, which are pride and shame and fear and dreams and all this other kind of stuff, those, those, can, be, those can be kind of harmonized. And we can, yeah. Exactly. And, that, yeah. and that the mind, in fact, we think, oh, if we go into this spiritual journey into the heart, then my mind, my mind is going to actually be lessened, right? But in fact, Hanuman is also a, a refutation of that. It's saying the mind becomes truly powerful, truly powerful when it is in in harmonization with the heart mm. through Hanuman's devotion to Rama he becomes the most powerful figure in that story he literally literally moves mountains mm. picks them up and does all kinds of crazy stuff that is basically to me allegorical for the mind becomes the actualizer of the heart's will. Mm. That is what the mind is for. The, 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 the age-old phrase is the mind is a good servant but a really bad master. And so that's really what Hanuman is representing as a deity is that he is the mind at its most powerful. And the mind when it's at its most powerful is when it is in devotion mm. to the inner divinity and, and this touches in touches on what we're talking about the other day, which is like you can have you can have the heart or or the feminine or whatever it is, and that it has immense immense um, a, a breadth of power a, a breadth of power and compassion and and love and all this stuff. But it doesn't actually it's not actualized in an ordered way necessarily. It's quite mm-hmm. a it's quite a like all the female emanations of these of these these gods. A lot of them are extremely powerful, but they're not necessarily focused. Um, focused forces. They're they're the gods of of the earth, like the gods of rivers. These these things which are just 
which is just fl- flowing with flowing with immense um, capacity to uh, immense energy. And then what you have is you have the the masculine or the mind or whatever it is, which when it's, it it um, it has the capacity to have great actions in the world, but it 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 also it also doesn't have um, it's it's its power is somehow more focused and less broad, less deep, less intuitive. Mm. And so it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily act in the right way. Right so through this story, we see that same understanding that that um, that it's not just that the the, the mind actualizes in the way it actualizes correctly when it aligns with the heart, but also that that um, pairing allows the heart to actualize in the world. Exactly. Because it's it's out to the other way. So even though Hanuman is the devotion, uh, uh, the devotee of, of Rama, so the mind is the devotee of the heart. Still, the heart needs 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 the mind yeah. in order to be able to create. In in, right. in, 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 in the story, Han- um, Ram would not be able to defeat Robin without Hanuman. Yeah. So that's a, that's that's a, the direct correlation there. It's yeah. like, yes, the the mind is in discipleship to the heart in this. But also, the heart could not actualize in the world. It couldn't defeat. It couldn't defeat pride. It couldn't defeat avarice and all these these, you know, afflictive aspects of the mind. Um, so what that is is like it's this representation of of um, like the Buddhist um, wings of, of of meditation, which is wisdom and compassion. And usually, what we talk about is we actually say we first cultivate wisdom and then we cultivate compassion, and we kind of do them alongside each other. But really. You first learn your skills. You learn how to how to how to change the world. How to you you become whatever whatever um, you train in whatever craft you want to train in. But at the same time, you then you cultivate the correct intention, the correct totally. understanding, the heart, and then that is what allows that skill to be guided in a way that affects the world totally. um, in this positive, in this divine way, or this balanced way, or whatever it might right. be. Right. So. The symbolism, I think, at the very end of the story is also. Um, worthy to touch on and I think particularly deep because this is where Hanuman basically defeats the armies of Robin he defeats the armies of Robin but he he cannot defeat Robin because remember Robin's wish was that he could not be killed by beasts, gods or demons Mm. so Hanuman defeats his armies and without Hanuman Ram wouldn't be able to get to the battlefield with Rama, with Robin. So Hanuman is what allows that situation to occur. So without Hanuman, Ram wouldn't even be able to get near single combat with Robin. Mm. But once that happens, Hanuman takes a step back. Hanuman can't actually be the one that kills Robin because the, the heart can only heart can only stop or slow down the effects of the ego, ego. take off the edge. The mind, the mind in this case. The, 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 sorry, the, the mind. Right. So he's he's the, the one heart. that he defeats the armies of Robin. He defeats like, but when it comes down to like so like I could take this psychologically as meaning, you know, the mind is when it's cultivated that skill of being in, in harmony with the heart, it's highly trained and highly skilled at kind of navigating through these different emotions and these different thoughts and is able to like you know, cut them at their, at their root, you know, when they arise. That's like, that's, that's the Hanuman principle of the mind when it's skillful and in harmonization with the heart. It can cut through all of that stuff. But when we, when we really get to the very core of it, 
when we get to the, the, the root seed of, of those issues, which in this case is embodied in Robin, whose main issue is pride, but it could be other, other things as well, then the heart... Expressions of ego. We could use that as an example of expressions, negative right. express, shadow side expressions of ego. Right, right. So then Ram comes forth, and he's the one that he, he shoots the arrow that kills Robin, because he's God in human form. So he's capable of doing that. And when he kills Robin, Robin attains moksha. He attains liberation. And he becomes one with Rama. So I think this is actually like, incredibly beautiful and incredibly profound. And in, 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 I think it's saying that even, like, one, that no one is beyond redemption. No one is beyond the point of, of realizing inner divinity. Mm. And also that Robin, you know, he was this, he was a, a good dude. He just had this issue. And then the heart came in and it's like the compassionate, like Ram understands this. Ram shoots that arrow and it's like the, the arrow of Cupid. Sinking into the chest of Robin, and this is what liberates him. So it's like the mind and the heart in concert are what is going to allow us to do that inner, that inner jihad, if you will, that inner battle um, to bring us into like the idealized, like the state of of oneness. Which is interesting because. Because Ravina, you said, is 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 a devotee of Shiva, right? And and in the end, he integrates into an emanation of Vishnu, right? Right. Well, he. So keep in mind again, from the beginning of our conversation, all of these gods are one. Yeah. So Vishnu, Shiva, Brahma are just three faces of of supreme reality of yeah. Brahman. They're like they are just ways in which that we like can say okay i can see that supreme reality acts in this way and this way and this way mm. you know but they're all one they're all just different faces so when we say that he becomes one with rama we're really saying that he becomes he becomes one yeah. he really becomes just he he's he's in light he becomes by being killed by by uh the heart by the idealized you know by his pride being ripped out of him. Right, by his pride being ripped out of him, being defeated, you know, he becomes liberated. And I think this is this is beautiful because it's like it's like showing that the mind and the heart in concert can can win any any battle. Like in internally is what I mean. Yeah. Like when we're going forth on this on this journey of self discovery of of inviting like the self you know of, of inviting that true that 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 true nature that is within all of us that we feel like is hidden you know is that the mind and the heart without balance between the two we're not going to win that war but with both it's not about getting rid of of one you know oftentimes we look at the world and we say oh man i can't have my heart there this is a harsh world you know, I need to use my mind to cut through, you know, and that's how I like, I'm going to analyze my thoughts. I'm going to analyze 
all this stuff, and I'm going to suppress the emotions because that seems to be distracting me. I'm going to use the mind to, to, to figure this out. But this often ends in, in very bad ways. Likewise, the, the heart, without the mind, it's like, it's, it's like we said earlier, it's, it's, it's like unmanifest. It, it goes in all directions. It doesn't have a particular, you know, it can't focus in. It, it just feels this love and it doesn't know how to express it. It doesn't know how to work within itself or within the world. It's like, turn, it's like it the arrow, right? The arrow can't look back on itself, right? So the, the mind and the heart together, Ram and Hanuman, are going to be the ones that, that win this battle together. And in the end, you know, in the end, the, the, that pride and all of that stuff all of these afflictive emotions, all of these different, you know, obstacles that we uh, encounter in life, both internally and externally, are, are necessary. Those battles are necessary for, for those powers to become manifested within ourselves. Yeah. So, like, don't, we shouldn't, like, uh, necessarily look on difficulties as, as these, you know, really negative things. These are opportunities opportunities to test the powers of heart and mind yeah and it's interesting what, what what's amazing in this is that is that i think last time you said something like there's an understanding that ravina actually um he knew this he knew that this was his path to achieve liberation he knew that by asking for the one thing the ego wants which is to live forever he's going to eventually liberate himself from the ego so it's the ego because he's going to get destroyed basically. Right and, right. So, and so there's this understanding that even these parts of ourselves that we see as expressing negatively or however it is can actually be their own redemptive force. They totally. Can, we can, we, can dive into, we dive into them and through the fire we see, we understand ourselves. We see, like, we take it to the end, basically, is this idea. It's like we look in ourselves and we don't take it to the end in our actions, but we understand, okay, so I've got a bit of pride. What is the end point of this in my mind? The end point end point for, for Ravina is, is that he's the potential to destroy the world. He asks for the one thing the ego wants. And the, the end point in our souls, if we have pride, the end point is disconnection from the people around us. The, it, maybe the incorrect motives in our relationship, uh, a disconnect from our heart. Right. Because we are, acting out of, we are acting out of self rather than out of, out of connection and community um, and compassion and um, equality, really, not seeing ourselves as more important Right. Than all the other than all the other humans in this case, like right. we are not stronger than we believe we're stronger, and, and by taking to ourselves to the, the end point that Ravina takes himself, we that's the way we we can project forward, and then we then we bring in the heart and the mind and because say, it calls forth a response. It calls forth a response. We say we don't want. It's not that I've done all this bad, but I I don't want to live a life necessarily where. These are p components of my of my experience. I don't want to live a life of shame. I don't want to live a life of fear or desires or separation or, or, or using people or judging. I don't want to live that life. So we take it to the end and then we say, okay, heart and mind, come in here. Let's work, let's understand what's going on and let's direct ourselves in, in the right way towards the heart. And through that, we can, we can preemptively destroy this ego. Right. We can make itself its own destruction. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly um, what is a fascinating interpretation of the story that, that Ravana knew all along that this is what was going to happen. 
and his goal is liberation. And so he, he asks for that one thing because he knows that that's going to cause Vishnu and Shiva to come down. He knows that by asking for something that of, of this nature, it's going to call forth a response. And, and through, he knows that his only, like, his only path to liberation is, is to be defeated by them. And it's, and it's one step further. It's like the understanding that pride and shame are, are flip sides of the same coin. Totally. And what we're, what we're understanding here is that every time we feel a strong sense of self or of ego or fears, we're trying to hold on to a particular way of life, but we're going after money or, 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 or acceptance or anything like that. We're going on it to feed something in us that feels like we're not complete, which is shame. Right. Shame is the idea that I am not worthy of connection. I am not worthy. It's a, it's a worthiness. And so what we do is we understand that, understand that it's, these, it's, it's the pride. It's not that it destroys itself, but it, it is, it implies its own kind of, it implies its own destruction because it, it, it will it, encounter it, something that brings, it hates itself. Right. Ego is the, this negative expression of the ego, pride and all these positive, these, these, these like forceful things are the parts of ourselves that we are deeply unsatisfied with. These are our own self-hatred and we project it out into the world as, as, as attempt to get power, status, make a name for ourselves, be someone important, be, be given praise and love from outside. Mm. Yeah, totally. Totally, so it's an incredible story. Lots of, lots of gold there. <laughs> oh, lots, wow. of, lots of gold there. That's a beautiful story, man. Yeah. Wow, I love it so much. Good the luck with editing that all together. The monkey mind. <laughs> I think it's one straight piece. Yeah, wow. The monkey mind. Wow, awesome conversation there. Even listening back to it all these months later, it triggers in me how beautiful that idea is that the things that we think are the worst things in our lives, the things that we suffer from, our self-judgment, our judgment of others, our anxieties or our fears or our unfulfilled dreams that plague us, they're actually their own destruction, their own redemption. And I think that's really stood true with me that whenever I have something arising in me that seems like it's going to create tyranny in my life, actually that bell within me, that thing that rings that says, this isn't right, I don't like this feeling, and that, th that thing that makes me suffer is actually the reason why I eventually learn to escape it or learn to integrate it in a way that no longer causes me suffering. And I think that's a very powerful idea that no matter how deep into the darkness we get, we always know we're in the darkness and that itself is what's going to lead us out into the light. So I hope that you can find some message there for your own life, that whatever it is that you think is the greatest source of chaos for you can actually be the most powerful tool you have in order to actualize yourself in a powerful, balanced way. So next episode will be the final episode in this three-part series with Ryan talking about Hindu mythology. And we'll dive into the origin story of Ganesha, the elephant god, one of the most famous gods in Hinduism, as well as some of the goddesses and what we can learn from them. So I'll see you on the other side. Much love to you all, wherever you are. Um, yeah, I hope you have a lovely week.